it's August 3rd, 2020. This is Rook. When it comes to some of the iconic voices and personalities of contemporary Iranian music, you can trace many of their sounds back to the arranging and playing of one very creative man with fingers that are the stuff of sorcery on guitar strings. He composed his first solo album at 13 years old in Tehran at a time when guitar music was banned, and he has become a famous name in Iran and the diaspora after appearing on over 150 albums since then. The talented Baubak Amini joins me in the Rook studio today for a very special interview. This is Conversations from, to, and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. there. Welcome to episode number 32 of Rook Khoshomadin. Hope you're all doing very well out there. How are you, Groovy Shaya? Hi, I'm very well. Thank you. I am stoked to have Mr. Babak Amini coming into our studio in a few moments to join us for a full episode. And uh, he's going to bring it. He's bringing a brand new song with him that we will be giving the world premiere. Wow. Here on Rook. Wow. Well, Wait, you I knew that already. You're acting like you, know, <laughs> you don't have to act, Shia. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you you have it loaded in the computer, yeah, so yes, you know yes, that yes, we're about to play it. But yeah. thank you. Yes, wow, for sure, though. Um, yeah. So we're excited. But uh, but but I didn't know that it's uh, it's going to be first time that I I, I knew that uh, we are going to play this song at the end, but I didn't know that it's the first the world premiere. Yes, I didn't know. Yes. That. Wow. Great. Uh, I, I mean, that's what he told me. I think it is. Well, we'll ask him in a second. He's going to come in. Uh, did our last episode create some waves? It seems there are, in fact, many folks, as we suspected, Chaya, in the Iranian community who are not happy or comfortable with the designation of being people of color. Mm-hmm. So Banafshe Akhlaghi, the human rights lawyer, the best-selling author, the professor of constitutional law, did an amazing job of making the case for why uh, why we need to understand, recognize, embrace our minority status in the West. Um, you can hear all that on every and any of our platforms. Uh, and we're going to get to some of the feedback from that show on our Thursday episode with the uh, letters of the week. Um, hey, Shia, have you, ever, um, have you ever been to the Arta Gallery in the distillery area in Toronto? Yes, yes, I've been there twice i think it's yeah. a nice vibe isn't it yes 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 i want to thank the folks at the arta gallery who are supporting this episode of rook so this is a 
a really fantastic gallery. It's been around for about 15 years promoting Canadian and international artists. Uh, it's in this distillery district of Toronto, and uh, they've played a real role in, in promoting Iranian artists in, in Canada as well. They've also hosted a number of well-known Iranian musicians and actors and actresses and film directors uh, who've had these talks and presentations at uh, Arta Gallery. Um, there's a great ambiance in their space, and uh, I know they have this motto that people should gift art for special occasions, uh, rather than something more short-lived, something like uh, ephemeral, like uh, alcohol or flowers. And this is a, a good way, if you gift art, of supporting oh. Iranian artists and spreading identity and culture. Great. Uh, actually, as you know, I, I live with a Canadian sculptor and artist, and he also loves art gallery. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, a pretty, it's a pretty special place. And in the meantime, they are supporting Rook. Uh, as well right. for uh, this week and we appreciate that thanks to the folks at Arta Gallery uh, it's back open uh, uh, phase three in Toronto post-COVID so or not post-COVID but in COVID I don't know <laughs> if you're in the Toronto area you can check it out how was your how was your weekend Shia <laughs> what did you do on Saturday night? <laughs> <laughs> I had a great Indian food. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but this is what I wanted to talk about. We, I had a few uh, friends over uh, to my place, and Shia was there. Yes. And uh, we got talking about our last episode of Rook and portrayals of Iranians. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went on a rant about this uh, old offensive film from the 90s called uh, Not Without My Daughter. Right. And in fact, the first time I ever got published was an essay piece I wrote for the, the York University newspaper at the time about how this film was so incredibly unfair in its portrayal of Iranians uh, and stereotypes, etc. So Shia and a couple of others had never seen it. Uh, and you'd, you'd heard about it, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so we end up putting, pulling clips. <laughs> this, is our, this is our Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. Pulling clips off oh, YouTube oh to God. see parts of Not Without My Daughter. And sure enough, it's even more horrible in, in retrospect. And, and almost every character in this film, uh, it, the characters are Iranian, but, the, but none of the roles are played by Iranians, mm -hmm. including the, the lead male character, who is played by Alfred Molina, who's a, an English actor of Spanish descent. Yeah. Uh, and the only positive, I was showing you this, the only positive character in the film, uh, post positive Iranian character that is, like uh, in, in the narrative of the film, is played by the same actor who played Nehru in Gandhi. It's, 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 it's an Indian actor named Roshan Seth, who's a great actor, but it, it's, it's just so, I mean, in these days of discussing representation, uh, it may be time to dust off my uh, youthful essay from almost three decades ago and, and put it out there again. <laughs> Matab, Matab. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> he cannot Sally Field calling her, her daughter. Can't even pronounce her daughter. Yeah, that, that was the part you found most interesting. Couldn't even pronounce her own daughter's name. Uh, <laughs> anyway, not to do a promotion for the film. I mean, yes. don't go look at those clips necessarily, but, yes. but uh, it was... We have a lot to discuss when it comes to representation at some point when we can do it for the Iranian community as well as the uh, as other communities who are doing a good job of bringing that to the fore. Enough about all that. Let's get to our introduction of the man about to walk into the Rook studio as we do this introduction. Over, you know, over a thousand years ago, 
I'm told, a polymath known as Zaryob made his way from Persia to the Iberian city of Cordoba, bringing with him the music of his homeland, including a heavy dose of the Spanish form we now know as flamenco today. He's even credited with inventing the guitar by adding one more string to the Middle Eastern oud. Small wonder that our feature guest today should be so fascinated with the ancient music genius's path and has created a genius path of his own. Take a listen to this. That is a taste of the works of Baba Kamini from his first film appearance in Qermez in 1998 to songs from the last two decades with Gugush, Fermaz Aslani, and of course, Ebi there at the end. Babak is a guitarist and a musical master born in Iran and currently living in Canada. If you know of him, you know the magic he can create with his fingers on a guitar, often delivering this exotic mix of flamenco shimmering with Persian influence. With over 150 albums, music videos, and film scores in Iran and outside Iran to his credit, Babak Amini is a highly talented and accomplished musician, composer, guitarist, and a member of the American Guitar Society and an instructor at the Canada Music Academy. After his move to Canada in the year 2000, Babak gave his first instrumental concert at the Ontario Science Centre in 2002. Since then, he's taken the stage at venues such as Wembley in London, the Air Canada Centre, the Rogers Centre, Honda Centre, Nokia Centre in L.A., and the Forum in L.A. Babak recently released his latest album, Babak Amini Project, which is a fusion and collaborative work with his flamenco roots to his jazz concepts in a new approach. Right now, Bob Akamini joins me in the Rook studio. Hello, sir. <laughs> Hello, Gian. I'm so excited. I'm excited. Well, you're and, excited. And what an intro, man. <laughs> I'm so emotional. You have to live up to that now. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's very nice to have you here. Thank you. Mon ami. It's, it's very nice to be here. Mon ami actually sounds like Amini. <laughs> uh, you're, I should also note that we are going to debut, we're doing the world premiere of a new song of yours at, yes, the, at the end yes, of this uh, yes. episode. I, I, yes. I suppose, depending on how well the interview goes, you might, you might retract your generosity <laughs> if you... <laughs> Depending on how things go, yes. Yeah? Sure. Um, let me start with where you are 
at today. Uh, I, I know you're someone who loves performing. I know you've been uh, touring not so long ago. You were on stages with Farmaz Aslani on a tour. Uh, you had a bunch of dates booked still. You have. Uh, you also produce. You usually have artists flying in and coming yes. to your studio here in Toronto. Yes. None of that is possible in pandemic times. So yes. how would you characterize the life of Baba Kamini during Corona? Oh, <laughs> it's hard, Jian. It's really hard right now. And uh, because, you know, we have two kids in the house. They are really energetic. And my studio is it's in our house. And uh, so the amount of the time that I get for the recording is not much like before. But because I have a passion for so many different things in the music, I do different things. So I can practice still, I can make songs, I can work on the lyrics and different angles, you know. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still busy, but not performing that much. So as you know, we canceled all our concerts, even the concert, the big concert that I, I yes, had your solo in, stuff, the, yeah, yeah. In, in Toronto. So yeah, that's my, my life now. How hard <laughs> is it to you? How hard is it for you to not be performing? Um, I love to perform. You know, I really like that um, preparation and working on myself because when you perform, um, the technical aspect of the musician and the musicianship is different, but you have to work on yourself um, mentally and your soul, your body, everything should be connected together to be able to perform. And I I like that balance. Uh, I like to be in that situation. Performance is just one time. You have the chance one time to show yourself, show your abilities on a stage in that very moment. But uh, the other things that we do, for instance, the teaching, or you can have (laughs) in a lot of a grumpy mood when you teach, even uh, still in that mood, they learn from you, but you you can be in the different mood. When you're recording, you can always delete it and record again. But on a stage, you just you just have one time. Let me. I want, I want to get to the teaching and, and yes. ways that you monetize your existence in a, in a second. But there's also you just told me this right before we started uh, rolling here. I don't know if it's, I'm allowed to talk about it, but you said you have news about a sponsorship. Um, can you talk about that? Actually? Yeah, yeah. Um, right now, I'm a Yamaha artist right now. They just sent me a couple of uh, great instruments. Um, just one of them. This just, is new? Yes, you, you, yes. This is that, I mean, that's huge, right? Yes, yes. Yamaha is uh, pretty much the yes. the gold standard. Yes. So yes. what do you have? Is it like Tiger Woods? You have to start wearing <laughs> baseball caps now that say Yamaha? What's well, the, actually, what does it mean to actually, be? Actually, I did. Uh, today, I just <laughs> recorded some couple of videos. You've sold out completely. <laughs> What was really what that? So you have to you have to promote them. Are you allowed to use other guitars? Uh, yes, yes. Oh, you can. You can. Um, use yeah, I can. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm I'm working with different companies as well, uh, such as Philippe Conde. We have good relationship. You're not going to get a call from Yamaha if there's a no. a, a video with you playing some other gu- guitar. No, no, no. They just send you free guitars because they are different kind of guitars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so wait a minute. You got a guitar today. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> this is an interesting charmed life you have. <laughs> I started by asking how difficult is it in the time of Corona? People are just sending you guitars. It's not so bad. Yes. Uh, when you talk about, you mentioned technique. 
Yes. And I'm always curious when somebody's at the top of their game, and we're going to talk about what that actually means in terms of your why you are so respected and acclaimed as a guitarist, but uh, how important is it for you to keep your chops up? In other words, if somebody is as good as you are, do you still practice every day? Is is there still some regimen? Uh, oh, it's, it's like any other sport, you know, when you want to have, because it's very physical. You know, when uh, when you want to be good at any kind of instrument, like a musical instrument, you need daily practice but because i'm doing different kind of things you know i do arrangements i do orchestration for the different singers for the band you know i lead bands and uh but i don't have time enough time to do like crazy uh daily practice i kind of adopt uh, the way that i practice i practice very short time but very intense mostly just technique what point in the day do you do that? Not in the morning. Um, why not? Why uh, not in the I'm, morning? I'm, I'm a little Your bit fingers stiff. are slower in the morning? I'm stiff in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So I need a couple of coffees. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> for your fingers to work? <laughs> for every, to okay. everyone. All right, all right. <laughs> Everywhere in my But you still, it is still important for you to practice. I'm oh, imagining need, yes. that there's uh, students out there or people who, who are simply not as accomplished as you are who don't expect that they have to practice as much, oh, I right? Pa- I, I need to practice sometimes, um, you know, a couple of hours every, every day. But, um, you know, just practicing is not enough because when you just practice certain things, it's, uh, you get bored, you need motivation. I always learn something, research and learn something. And to master that, so the, the, it requires some, uh, some uh, like exercise time. You know, you need to practice to master that uh, everything that you learn and research. When you talk about teaching and you talk about filling the gaps in this COVID time, yes, uh, I know you love your craft. I know you love music. Um, this is a source of living for you, though. Yes, there are people, even people who are very good uh, musicians, who have to have a different career which yes. is where they make their money and then they do music uh, yeah, i've been lucky man well you've been lucky but it also means that you have to survive with music yes. you have to monetize your yes. existence you have kids you have a family you have a yes. house you have a, a life and i wonder um do you ever lament the fact that you have to do whatever it takes to monetize this existence? Teaching or uh, playing on albums that uh, maybe are not your favorite records? I don't know. Does it make playing the guitar and making music a little less romantic, if you will? Um, let me put it this way. I was so lucky that I was enjoying all the angles and everything about music. So, for instance, uh, some of the guitar players or musicians like piano players, they just want to perform. I'm not just focusing on one angle, you know. I love teaching. I love to compose. When I compose, I like to learn so many things about the orchestration, to work with different instruments, work with different artists. So, because I love everything about music, um, I'm not limiting myself or my abilities to just do one thing. So that was the reason that I could survive. You know, I could not get very 
depressed about certain but does situations. it ever feel you know you're here to be rook right yes you can't come in I'm, I'm, I'm don't rook. be a persian no, you know no, uh, taught of, no, no, taught of. okay so you it never feels like a job no I'm, not for me not for me even the projects that i wasn't that successful i learn a lot hmm. you know um that's why because i like to learn um there were some projects that i said okay i know this project doesn't go anywhere but at least i'm doing something i'm practicing i'm working on the orchestration even if everything is useless i'm working with a computer with a new software i'm learning to work with the new softwares so many things can you know? i make a suggestion yes i may i suggest that you feel that way you have that perspective because you've been through times in your life when you couldn't do the work you wanted to do yes and we'll get to that story but is that part of it do you think yes. you know yes you understand yes how fortunate you are to be able to be yes. doing what you you're doing because exactly. for a while you weren't allowed to be, be doing exactly that. um before we take a deep dive into that story, I've been trying to think of a Western equivalent of you. I mean, not that you don't play with Western artists as well, but a guy who arranges, uh, plays on the songs, produces the records, is on the stage, <laughs> is known. I mean, I, I really can't quite think. There are great songwriters, someone like Diane Warren, uh, who arranged things, or Jack Antonoff. There are, there are great producers, Quincy Jones, who, uh, you know, you can sort of say, okay, there's a Quincy Jones sound, or he's worked with a number of different artists. But for someone who uh, is has been there, is currently with the icons of an entire music genre of Persian music, uh, as as I say, the arranger, the the performer, uh, the player, uh, and who is respected. You're not really the second fiddle. When you're on stage with Abi, everybody's knows that's Bob Akamini. Um, do you marvel at how you became this guy? <laughs> okay, it's rock, yes. right? Uh, the moment that I grabbed the guitar when I was ten years old. I knew that I'm gonna be a good musician. I didn't know that I could be working with great musicians, great other musicians and working with other mega stars. But inside, yes, I knew it. Is it old hat to you now or are there moments where you go, Wow, that's me playing with every single one of the major Persian, almost every one of the Persian major Persian Persian artists in the world. Do you you don't you, that's that's not a surprise to you anymore. You're at this point, you're no okay. <laughs> that's good. Immodesty is part of being rook. That's fine. <laughs> you also though, I was thinking about this too. You have a sound. It's a Baba Kamini sound, and as such. You have had a profound effect on the way a number of musical icons sound in recent years. And and by the way, they don't seem to mind. Uh, I don't hear Farmaz Aslani saying, yeah, but don't make me sound like the Gugush record you made. Yes. Or that um, this is actually quite a power that you have because you are shaping um, the sound of some of the major players. Yes. You must be aware of that. Could you imagine yourself producing an electronic album or a heavy metal tune or a hip hop track? How committed are you to that Bob Akamini sound? Um, you know, Bob Akamini sound is not just a guitar sound. 
you know I've done lots of records lots of arrangements that they're they don't have any guitars in it and as soon as you hear it you know it's Baba Kamini it's just the way that I think it's the harmony choice choices that I have or the orchestration that I do and the feeling that I put in the melodies and uh, like the whole package maybe it's Baba Kamini that's why I put it in the Baba Kamini uh, project and everything in the in the um, in the one CD because I'm singing also in that um, in that album and other singers they're singing my uh, songs and I did instrumentals and lots of lots of lots of different uh, arrangements uh, when I started recording after the revolution Jihan I was the first session player uh, that I start uh, recording all the guitar parts in the studios and like major stu- studios in uh, in Tehran you know they were asking me the old uh, composers Babak try to play something like Armik because Armik was um, like before the revolution he was the session player and like if you hear the old uh, Gugush or Ebi or Dariush albums they're like all Armic uh, guitars I didn't want to copy that and I was the first guitar player was playing finger styles in the pop recording and uh, I was asking them that okay if you don't like it you can delete it and I'm <laughs> not asking for any money you, you don't need to pay me but I have to do what I think and what I believe mm-hmm. Anything that you see, I don't want to copy anything else. Even in a pop market, when something like um, certain loops or certain certain yes. sounds yes. start to selling, yes. everybody's uh, using that sound. Everybody's. But you've using- had this sound for you know thirty years. Yeah. You don't. I mean, there are artists who go on a wild journey of of uh, famous ones sometimes you know Neil Young went through a period where he's making electronic music and I mean his fans didn't like it but you know he needed to go on that journey or Dylan goes electric or or whomever I'm sure you can think of examples you don't get frustrated no no no. you know what Um, when I grow up I learn so many things even that sound of the Baba Kamini that you mentioned is growing up too so I I'm not stick to my old version, you know. But that that sound is still growing too. But it's original. I don't want to fake it. I don't want to like uh, copy anything else. Or, like add to it anything that I feel that it, this is right for my music for my sound. I do it. I suspect for non-Iranians who would be new to this, somebody who's never heard of you, who listens to some of your music today right now on this interview, might be surprised because it's kind of in the Persian DNA to hear the flamenco, the kind of those Spanish type of sounds. A non-Persian who hasn't heard this stuff yet might go, wow, contemporary Persian music is interacting with what I know as Spanish or flamenco music. Can you can you shed some some light? I told that story. I don't know if that's a myth or not of the uh, Zaryaba Zaryaba. Yes, yes. Can you shed some light on where this entanglement between these these two musics came together? Um, um, I need to open up a little bit that uh, subject. I am 
kind of new breed, I can say it, hybrid musician of like Iranian. When I, uh, when I was growing up, I was in my, uh, when I was teenager, I was listening to rock, mm. but I was playing flamenco and classical. So basically, I, I love everything, you know, I, I I have to say it. I was like a huge fan of Rush, the Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, Canadian band, my favorite. Before the revolution, uh, in, in Iran, when I was ten years old. When you were ten years old, how you? Oh, so four years ago, I'm fifty. So uh, forty. So that's around the time of the revolution. Yes, yes. I'm just wondering where you got Rush from. How do you? How the they piped man. Rush into the, <laughs> the country for you, which is great. But yeah, we used to have like tapes. Okay. And uh, yeah, there was. Um, have you met the guys in Rush? They would love that story. If <laughs> Getty or Alex would, if you told them in Iran forty years oh, ago yeah. you were listening to Rush, <laughs> they would enjoy that. And yeah, and um, you know, I'm I'm completely mixed of all the genres. And I don't like to limit myself, you know? I have my own sound, but not just just doing only one thing. That helped me to understand uh, like a pop music more, because you see lots of uh, solid flamenco guitar players or yes. solid classical uh, guitar players. They don't understand rock. They don't understand pop music because they don't allow yourself to be open they, and they, they don't hear the good things in other genres, you know? Th that was my story. That's why I just wanted to open. Okay, and let's continue opening. Yes, let's, okay. let's, let's okay. get into the Babak <laughs> Amini story. Take me back to Iran in your formative years. First of all, how would you characterize Babak Amini as a kid? Uh, I was a little bit nerdy, quiet <laughs> kid. I was very quiet, yes. W were you always tall? Yes, you tall and skinny. And handsome? Uh, <laughs> thank you. Jim. Well, no, I mean, you, you're. <laughs> it's not just me. Everybody says you're, you are very handsome. Okay. Were you, so you were, you were, you were always a good looking kid? Uh, nerdy, <laughs> <Thank> nerdy. <laughs> Okay. You know the answer to that. You can, you can. I have to check the pictures again. <laughs> you have to reassess. Uh, were you, uh, were, so you, you weren't particularly outgoing? Uh, no, no. You know, I was a little bit nerdy and very quiet. I didn't want to, I didn't like the very crowded uh, places. And um, yeah. Were um, you happy as a kid in Iran before the revolution? Happy. Kind of. No, no. You weren't happy? No. Why not? Um, you know, when I was, a, I don't know, teen, like 14 years old, I was so into guitar. And I was lots of passion and fire inside mm. me. And I wanted to perform. That's after the revolution. After the revolution. I'm asking before. Before when you were the a little kid. Yes, yes. I was yeah. I was happy. It was a blissful yes. uh, life. Very, very happy. Great relationship with yes. your parents. Oh, oh, always. I met your father, he's the best ever. Always, yeah. yes. I was blessed. And you originally wanted to be a piano player. Yes. What, so why did you shift to the guitar? In um I remember when I was coming from the school, uh my dad had uh used to have those cassettes, piano cassettes, classical or different kind of just piano. And I was so in love, and I I really loved that those cassettes. And after the school, 
um, it was my time. You know, everybody was asleep or nobody was in the home. I put those cassettes and I, I was thinking and, and imagine that I am the piano player. Hmm. You know, when the crowd was uh, like clapping and cheering for the piano player after they finished the song, I was bowing too. <laughs> it's kind of ironic given that you become a famous guitar player. Yeah, but uh, but we didn't have the piano after the, even after the revolution, it was really hard to, and it was expensive and hard to have the piano. And it was easier to have a guitar? Yeah, my cousin gave me one little, those uh, little uh, three-quarter guitars. It was awful, but he <laughs> he changed my life, Omid, Omid Kharadmat. You have said, uh, this is now getting into your teen years, I guess, yeah. because you've said, I grew up in the worst years for music. Yes. Uh, for you personally, where yes. you were. It's a heartbreaking sentiment. Uh, uh, tell me what that statement means to you. You know, um, when the government and the basically religious government were controlling everything after the revolution, they closed all the music schools. We couldn't, we, uh, we were not allowed even to carry a guitar or like any Western instrument. Um, I used to put my guitar to the garbage bag. To hide it to take it with me to get a, a guitar lesson. <clears throat> and it was terrible. And uh, as a musician, like as a, I don't know, music lover, uh, we were scared. We were scared, we couldn't perform anywhere. We, co we couldn't even say that I love the music, I love the guitar, I wanna continue the music. I want to be a musician. Even like some of our relatives, they were like, giving hard time to my dad said what Babak is doing wasting his time yeah why why didn't you give up I couldn't the passion was too much man uh, till now so do you remember um, do you remember moments in those years where you pretty much got everything going against you Yes. In terms of becoming yes. a, a musician, yes. Um, the and you, your your first album, uh, Grey Rain. Yes, uh, you just said it. You wrote it between the age of thirteen and seventeen. Yes, it's a remarkable story. It doesn't get released until you're twenty four years old. Yes, they didn't give me the permission. So and just so just for people who are not familiar with this yeah. this tragic set of events uh, that a lot of people uh, from Iran will will know. Um, you you can even as a teenager you can write an, a record but you can't put it out you yeah. can't make the record you can't distribute it you can't even make a cassette without getting permission permission from some authorities yes and it was terrible you know and it took 11 years or 10 years for you to get permission yes when i was 24 finally we released that album and uh, you know we used to record on those big tapes and uh, I recorded in the studio pop, they call it. That was the, our best studio in, in Tehran. And before the revolution, Gugush and Ebi, everybody recorded their best albums in there. When I released that album, basically it was the first guitar album after mm -hmm. the revolution mm -hmm. that they uh, um, give the permission to release. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I was so pissed off I didn't want to listen to any of those songs because 
I was different person. You know, mm-hmm. imagine I was I was making better songs. I, I had like two times better technique. So basically, from that time till now, I never heard anything like from that album. Basically, I don't listen to my songs. But uh, you know, after after too, yeah after weird. after after the release, but um, especially that one, I was so pissed off because I was pissed off enough that it'll bother you if we, if we play a bit of it right now. Ah, uh, don't play it. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't like it. Really? Uh, if I I want to play a okay. bit of Grey Rain, you okay, don't, don't play it. This is the first time I don't know after like thirty something years. What? Really? Uh, I, yeah, I never heard it. Okay, let's just play a little bit of Grey Rain. Taste of Grey Rain from the album <laughs> of the same name, the debut from Baba Kamini yeah. uh, that comes out when you're 24 years old in 1994. How does it feel to hear that? Oh man, it brings lots of memories. I don't want to say what kind of memories. Why? But, but I remember all those times that I was going back and forth to that department, um, culture, art, and culture department, and they were kind of um, ignoring me and not giving me the permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I just say that uh, as someone who grew up in the diaspora, yes. so, you know, it, it is still, and somebody who knows these kind of stories, who has family still in Iran, et cetera, it's still astounding to me. We just listened to a beautiful and benign piece of guitar music. What could they possibly, what what reason could they possibly b- bring for that not to be released? I mean, what would they there tell is, you? There is there is no reason because um, they don't think um, that way. They think that, ju- they just think black and white. You know, they said that, okay, this is a Western instrument or the, the thing that you play is not traditional music. It's not from Iran, and um, yeah, those kind of things. You are reminding the old, like before the revolution, those culture, and uh, yeah. But th- but th- and we paid for it. <laughs> but the way they get into the weeds, because by the second album, which takes you another three years yes, to come four out, four years, I think, four yeah, years, three, four years. Then they're saying the problem is that you're mixing drums and and guitar guitars yes yeah. so so guitar is okay now but just oh, don't man. mix it with another i mean I this, fought, this is i fought every little steps you know for the first one the guitar itself it was a major problem then i got the permission and the second album the drums and the electric guitar and they were so because the classical guitar nylon guitar is there like they were okay now but after that electric guitar and drums, they're like really Western <laughs> instruments. Mm. Man, yeah, I fought every little steps that I took. Babak, when you say you haven't listened to that, what we just listened to, yeah, um, it sounds nice. Is it is it painful to hear it because of 
the memories of what happened in that era, or is it because you're an artist who thinks, oh, I could have gone to that chord better or played the... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Two things, both of them actually, uh, especially for the Grey Rain, I have lots of memories that I don't want to go through it because all those songs that I wrote um, uh, brings up lots of memories. But uh, for especially my technique was like after a couple of years was way better and um, the way that I start learning and using the modern harmony um, was like totally changed my life and um, but you can't give yourself a break and go I was in my early 20s not so bad you know I got yeah, better yeah but, it, but uh, Gian, I didn't want to put it in the Spotify Spotify. It is on Spotify. Yeah, somebody else put it. Who? who? I don't know. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) What what do you mean you don't know? It's your. (laughs) I don't know. Somebody put your album on Spotify, and you don't know who put it. No, no. And uh, uh, Spotify said meaning you're not getting the the royalties or the streams. No, just recently I just checked it, and Spotify said that do you want to claim that album? (laughs) Two, there are two albums. (laughs) The album by Bob McCartney. I said okay, I claim it. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm not going to listen to it. <laughs> no. And um, yeah, but you know, when I moved to Toronto and after that, I went to Los Angeles. I did the album Magic. And that album presents me a little bit better. And after that, the Baba County Project presents me better. Just before we get to moving to Canada, yes. um, I'm curious about what's happening with your. Uh, parents uh, at that time and 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 with what where you expect to take this all because by your early 20s you, you are known as you say you're a session player you're yes. known as a good guitarist but from what I understand even your parents were um, not discouraging you but suggesting that this is not going to be a career yeah it was hard. it was a tough time and and I cannot blame my family mm-hmm. because uh, my father used to say that okay Bobak you know that you're a good musician you know that you can play guitar just learn something else Hmm. so I cannot blame them because the situation of the Iran still you you see them yeah it's a crazy situation now but so basically I wasted my best years of my life going to university and study industrial management that was part of my life. I cannot say anything about it, but yeah. When yeah. when you say I wasted the best years of my life, it's a, that's it's such a heavy thing to say. Yes, I have to say it because it, um, imagine me uh, wasting my good good years, good time of my those years instead of practicing guitar and instead instead of learning more stuff just going to school and uh, you know going through all those exams and learning the things that I've never used it in my life so as successful a career as you have carved out now you feel like had you had those years back no it could have been totally different bigger better somehow yes Wow. You know, I don't. Um, you know, I uh, I like everything that happened to me because they changed me the way that I am yes. right now. Yes. Maybe that pressure, those pressures that um, I've been through, 
in the university, uh, those pressures that the government gave us, uh, we became different kind of breed, different kind of uh, musicians, different kind of artists. You know, we we have a saying that the art blooms in the in the limitation. When you have too much limitation in in your life, you create things. And uh, that's a conversation we've had a couple times on this show. Oh, that okay. does does some kind of repression or even censorship or that actually create the conditions where yes. more yes. interesting art can come out because yes. it by its nature has to be subversive somehow. Yes. Yes. And you believe that. Yes. Yes. And um you know those all those songs it was part of my life um because everything around me was torturing me. And so maybe if if I had a a very comfortable life and everything was supporting me like uh, regarding the music that I was doing and like my life uh, maybe I couldn't have those kind of melodies or those kind of uh, songs for my album maybe I maybe I was some somebody else I don't know when you were at university what was it industrial what industrial management <laughs> <laughs> Not to take anything away from the industrial managers out there. I don't know what that necessarily means, but did did your fellow students know that you were a great guitarist? Yes. They did? Yeah, because I had my albums. Um, My first concert, I I saw lots of my friends from the university. Uh, They knew it. Yeah. And by the way, when you play concerts, this is all such a revelation to me, because you had to go through all those hoops to get the songs that are on the albums, uh, the authorities to grant you permission. When you play the concert, you can only play those songs. Only those songs. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's... So you don't even... I mean, so you you would have to get up and play songs that you wrote when you were 13. Exactly. Yeah. You can't even play a song. You can't... There's no chance you could say, by the way, I just just came up with something a couple weeks ago. Let me play it for you. And and that time that uh, we used to performance stage in, in, in Tehran only the repertoire that um, they gave us uh, it's stifling per- yeah stifling and it was a terrible thing after that happened because I used to sold up like my concerts were sold out even um, two uh, two concerts in one day I had in Tehran uh, in Tehran would you tour is it was there yes, such thing yes yes you yes. would go and play yes, in yes. Tabriz or something yes okay. and um, you know what they did because they didn't want us to uh, have concerts they said that okay not only we have to give you permission for for the m- uh, like material the repertoire the songs we have to give you the price for the t- ticket price and they used to put the very low ticket price so even when we sold out we couldn't make any money so that's how they because so many so many musicians they couldn't afford to have concerts and pay some so so much money uh, from their pockets and are you are you politically outspoken at this point are you some sort of activist or something Um, in other words is the only issue they have with you is that you're playing music that doesn't fit into the laws it's not like you're a troublemaker otherwise you know everybody around me they know that I'm not religious uh-huh. and I'm not politically active. So 
um, I was same thing back there in, 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 in Iran. So anything is wrong, I say it out loud, but, but not um, the things that I don't have interest and, and that, that's not the reason they were coming no, after you no it's, it was, no it's just these just قانون. just ball back i mean he playing guitar that's it <laughs> by the time it becomes too much for you in the year 2000 you end up leaving iran yes. before that happens you have this um fateful relationship that begins musical relationship yes. that begins with gugush yes um who your dad was a big fan of yes when you were a kid <laughs> so you're suddenly working with someone that you've heard in your family for yes, years, et cetera. Yes. How did the the partnership with Gugush begin? There was a festival in Iran. I think that just a, they just did that festival one time. And there was um, maybe something around 40 different bands. And um, I played in that festival. And um, also I had my band and was performing with different bands so I was pretty active in that festival and um, Gugu's uh, uh, husband was one of the guys that the juries that um, there was they were voting for the bands and uh, it was a competition yes yes yes. and um, Mr. Kimiai Masood Kimiai is a great director Mm. and um, when we finished the the festival and we were the best uh, band Mm -hmm. and they gave me those trophies and everything and Mr. Kimi I asked me I said Bobak I want to see you come to my house I said okay I was so excited (laughs) I said man they're going to give me some like movie scores and this and uh, I because I was so into getting some movies. And scores. so this is your probably, this is late, I was late 20, 90s? I dad? was 28, 28. 28, yeah, yes. okay, yeah. And I was so passionate. And I said, okay, I knew that uh, Gugush is uh, Masud Kimia's wife. Hmm. But just not nothing in my mind was... Uh, this, is, this might be about Gugush. Uh, no, yeah, no, no, not, yeah. And I said, okay, I'm going to see Gugush, but <laughs> my... Friend, and you've never met her before at this no, point. No, yeah, no, yeah. no. And said, she's a superstar, obviously, yes, yes. the biggest Big, star biggest ever. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not not in uh, in Iran, in the Middle East. Everybody knows Gugush. Right. And um, I was so into getting one of those movie scores, and so I was passionate. Was this before or after Hermes? Uh, after Hermes. After Hermes. Yes. And I so you've, you've already had a little yeah, taste. A little of, taste, yes. Because you know, uh, you know what somebody told me <laughs> as I was researching for this interview? They said Bobak was sort of known as a guitarist, but it's when he did that movie, Hermes, he yes, appears in this knows. movie. That's because when everybody was like, who's this cute guy who's singing the song in this movie? <laughs> because that was the first time after the revolution they show somebody with the guitar and singing. Ah. So I was the first musician that they gave the permission to show in the in the in the movie and cinema okay okay so so you might so you're thinking maybe this is a with a Kimiai, i'm going to be uh, in another film or yes I'm, yes yeah. yes i was so into it yeah. and i went to their house and uh, we just had uh, some tea and like we talk a little bit and after that uh mr kimia said yeah i want to introduce you to gugush i said 
Hayır, kuş. So looking forward to get the music score. And the master kimya said, okay, uh, I want you and Gugush to have a little bit more conversation about the project. I said, what project? And um, yeah, started from there. And what was, sorry, what was Gugush like when you first met her? I mean, how did, how did it nice. feel? Very, very, very friendly yeah. and very nice. You kind of hit it off. Yes. And, and um, everything started from there. And they gave me some lyrics, which they were extremely hard to work because, um, you know, those lyrics, it was like a modern uh, Persian lyrics that doesn't have like a rhyme or anything. Uh, and I made music out of those difficult uh, lyrics. Were and you intimidated by her? I was comfortable. You were comfortable. Yeah. And Even though she's a superstar. Yes, I was comfortable. And, and older than you, you you felt like. Yes, I, because she was extremely friendly. So, Babak, that's only within a couple of years, you and Gugush hatched this plan to leave Iran. Yes. Which is a, it's a dramatic thing to do. Yes. Um, tell me about that decision. Tell me about how that happened. You know, I'm 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 really blessed and uh, I'm happy that I made that decision because I couldn't take it anymore you know it was a couple of years you know two three years before <clears throat> before I moved to Canada honestly I was waiting for any opening anywhere that I can I can just move from Iran um, I love Iran don't, don't get me wrong but I love my people that's why I still committed to so many things mm -hmm regarding my my country and uh, my Iranian uh, roots Persian roots and Iranian mm -hmm. friends and mm -hmm. um, but I couldn't take it anymore it was I was thinking for the musician like for myself that I want to explore more and I want to do so many things I want to be active every day it wasn't the place for me And I was getting through very bad time. I was depressed, and uh, so that thing. And and would you? What, how was Gugush doing at that point? Did you? Would you talk? Was, same, yeah, same. You same would thing. talk about this regularly. We were we were like two birds with uh, like wounded wings, mm -hmm. and um, uh, it was terrible, terrible situation. She was. I think she was totally more depressed than me. And we moved to Canada, and uh, well, well, wait a second. Yes. <laughs> so, so uh, what's the conversation like? Okay, let's make a plan. Let's let's leave. No, no. The first thing that um, the, um, happened be between us, um, I I finished the album Zartosht, mm -hmm. and I made those songs, um, made that album for her, and they. They really liked it because the the lyrics. I I I asked them please change the lyrics because they're not very common lyrics to work with. They were very special. I couldn't show myself that much because of the lyrics. And on, on Green X um, album, they listened to me more, mm. so they gave me better lyrics. They they are they, they were good too, but they were different. It's mm. not good. There I I I told them that. It's not good for the pop music, and but they they thought that this is the good lyrics and basically, I think I did a 
good job working on those difficult lyrics. Mm -hmm. And I finished the album and they really liked it. And that was the main thing that they asked me to be her band leader and musical director. So we moved to Canada together. So uh, maybe uh, this is, forgive me if this is a naive question, but if you're Gugush and Baba Kamini, um, you're pretty well known in Iran. The two of you are this dynamic duo. It's a pretty big deal for you to leave Iran. Uh, for the people of Iran, for the authorities, yes. for, uh, yes. I mean, it's going to be news, right? Yes. So how did you navigate that? Uh, we went to the airport separately, not together. Okay. And uh, in that time, Masoud Kimia had a project. Um, like I had a, they, um, they wanted to make a movie in different countries, like out of the, uh, out of the Canada. So that's how uh, he could take Gugush with him, mm. and and I I went separately. So we saw it. Uh, and you weren't telling anyone that you're moving no, for good. It was no, just like, oh, no. I've got to go yeah, do a project. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. What was it like when you got to Canada? What was what were your first months like uh, living in the West? I love everything about Canada. Hmm. Um, I'm th I think this is my house. This is my home. And I don't feel like the moment that I came here, I didn't feel like an outsider, Xi'an. And that's why, you know, that I've, I've been living in, in Los Angeles for four years, four or five years. You and moved there for more, a while. More, yeah. Yes, and I couldn't take it. And, uh, and me and my wife, Negar, we moved back again to, to Toronto. This is, I think this is my home. When you first came, you came to Montreal, right? No. Or, or were you, you came right to Toronto? Toronto. And did you speak English very well? Uh, no. <laughs> so, so did you have any trouble? I was, in? I was terrible. Like now, <laughs> <laughs> you're not terrible. You're excellent. But, 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 uh, was that a concern at all? Did were you? It was terrible. Yeah, because um, you know, I don't have a good memory, so I cannot memorize the, the too many vocabularies and like too many words. But it was hard. It was extremely hard. Imagine you're 30 years old. You want to learn new language, and even. <laughs> for the music um, you know we say do re mi fa so la si here everybody says a b c d alphabet they're using alphabet it was like terrible i had to change the do re mi fa so la si to um, a b c d alphabet and i had to speak different language and like but babak you're you're not just a new person in a new country with a new language you're also a guy who is pretty well known now in iran yes, coming yes. to a place where the guy at the corner store is not going to know who you are. Was that a weird adjustment for you? Yes. You know, it was a weird feeling, but I think I, I, I adjusted and I adapted myself pretty well. So, because there's different breeds here, we've learned now, of, of very famous people, say even in the music category. There's those who were... Um, who came to the diaspora and became famous here. There's yes. those who've always been here, yes. you know, like Maz Jabrani, somebody yes. who grew, like yes. myself, what just grew up here. Then there's people who uh, have a big career in Iran and stay in Iran. There's people who come here, become famous here, and have yes. this weird relationship yes. like Hamed Nikpay, where he says, my audience is in Iran, but I can't go back there. And, uh, but he wasn't necessarily huge when he came to the West. Yes. Then there's this 
weird trajectory for someone like you who probably could work with whoever you wanted to in Iran, albeit given the authorities and all of that, but in the musical community, et cetera, you're very well known coming yes. to a new place yes. and kind of having to, to rebuild. Yes. You know, uh, Gian, um I started from scratch three times. One time, actually four times. One time in Iran when I started, it was terrible. And when I came here, I had the support from Gugush that was good for one year because after that, when we finished the concerts and tour, I was by myself for for years and years. And uh, not having that hype, those concerts, mm -hmm. and like 15,000 people mm -hmm. watching me playing guitar or leading the band, I was just normal. <laughs> you know, after the Air Canada Center, I went to play in a restaurant. Hmm. People like having food, <laughs> and I was munching I was, on their burger yeah, while you're yes. you're doing some yes. fantastic so guitar I, riff. Yes, and I did everything. It was hard, but because I've done it so many times, I know it. And that happened to me when I moved to Los Angeles. Actually, that time, and the Los Angeles was more difficult than uh, Toronto because um, Toronto, they are more update. They know their artists. But in Los Angeles, they, the, the, um, the Iranian community, they are so old and they are like third generation. They don't know the new artists. They mm -hmm. don't know their artists. Yes, of course, they know Abi and Gugush and Satar, but they don't know um, the 30 years old Baba Kamini, mm -hmm. you know? It was really difficult for me in, in Los Angeles. But I started again and started, and that time I wasn't working with Gugush because Gugush that time was working with different guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I moved back. Um, as soon as I started working with Gugush again, I moved back to Toronto. And because I wasn't here for five years, I restart, restart again. So basically four times I started from scratch. I don't know if you remember this. You probably don't. I remember it. In 2003, yes. there was the terrible BAM earthquake in yes, Iran. Yes, Thousands of yes. people died. And there it was, was a, a fundraising concert. There was a fundraising yes, concert. Yes, I played in that concert. I hosted that yeah, concert. I know. Me and Nazanin Afshinjan. Yes, I remember. And I remember, <laughs> I didn't, the people were all excited about this Babak Hamini. I didn't know who you were because I, I didn't grow up in Iran. You know, I, and, um, but I remember the, the, the amazing thing is you, you, they said, yeah, and he's put together a band for this concert. <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? I don't even know who he is. He's come here and he's already got a band and yes. and they're amazing, you know. Uh, that was my introduction to, to Bob Academy. Actually, that was the first time that I saw you too. Yes. Good memories. That same year, 2003, yes. is, is a less good memory for you. Yes. You take a trip back to Iran. Oh, yes. Why did you take that trip and, and tell us what happened? Uh, the main reason I want, I was a little bit homesick. I wanted to visit my family, see my dad and my mom, sister. And uh, second reason, uh, they released my album, The Magic, without getting any permission or giving, like asking me or just released it. Right. 
And I was so pissed off. I said, when I'm in Iran, they don't give me my uh, the uh, like the permission to release my own albums that takes like five years. I don't know, but <laughs> they gave yeah. my album to different companies to release it by just without saying anything. I just want to go yeah. and follow up with that. And uh, that was crazy. As soon as I landed, no, like not, uh, when I was in Amsterdam, so many people, they recogni recognized me and said, Bob, I don't go to Iran. I said, no, I didn't do anything. I was just a musician. And, like, and they said, no, man, if you go, they're going to arrest you. So they arrested me right in the airport. You get mm, off the plane? Yeah, in Mehrabad uh, airport. You know, when uh, when you get out of the plane, you there's a gate that they check your passport. They check my passport, but the gate <laughs> didn't open. They said, man, just you have to wait here. And um, um, they they called the guards and they took me from there. And you, this this goes on for a few months, right? You're basically six months. Six months. And I lost everything in that six months. What do you mean you lost everything? Um, I had to sell my apartment because after that I couldn't afford it because I I had lots of expenses and I had to pay so many different things. So basically, I lost my website because I didn't pay. It was expired. I didn't pay for my mortgage and my car. Like every my life was screwed. When I came back, and and your, I'm guessing your friends and family were terrified. Oh, they are terrified. Yeah, but yeah, let's. I think, and, and, and I'm I'm not anticipating something yeah. revelatory here, but <laughs> but did what did they give you a reason for why they arrested you this time? Yes, okay. mainly mainly working with Google. Your association with Google. Yes. Okay, so I assume when you finally get out of detention and you you come back to the West, you've made a decision that you're not going to try and do that again yeah. in terms of going back to Iran. Uh, you know what? The experience was so bad that right now, even though I'm, I really miss my country, miss my family, if I want to see my family, um, either they come here or I go somewhere close to Iran to visit them. But it's not worth it. Not worth it. And now you have dependents, and you yeah, have. But and 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 uh, right now, because they ask me, and I sign um, that I'm not going to work with Google, Ebi, or um, interview in certain um, TVs or certain radio stations, mm. and I've done all of them. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> so the first thing you do is come back and start working with Google again. <laughs> and yeah. Okay. And so yeah. So your association with Gugush continues. You guys yeah. put out some hit records, including Green X, you mentioned a few minutes yes, ago, yes. in 2010. I want to play a little taste of uh, Manu Gondjishke uh, from that record. This sure. is uh, with arrangement and, of course, guitar by Bob Akamini. Take a listen to this. Oh, 
It's just, it's so, it's so good. It's so masterful. A little taste of Mano Gunjishke from 2010 Gugush with Baba Kamini. I don't know if you know, there's a video for that song that was directed yes. by Ahmed Kiarostami. Of course, you know there's a video, but it's got millions, and, and millions my, of my, views my, on my YouTube. My good fr- uh, friend of mine, Shahrokh Mishkin Galam. That's right. Yeah, he danced, uh, he did beautiful dance in that video. How would you, how would you describe your years working with Kugush? It was fantastic. Fantastic. All the way. And, uh, you know, we had, we had a good relationship, always. Uh, it was like few things about the management and like because there were so many things that were happening when we we were working, especially the the uh, the end of um, my work with her, um, the last concerts that we did together, and they changed the management and I couldn't get along with the mm. manager, so I I I start feeling that it's draining and I cannot take it anymore. So that was the story. <laughs> That's hard, it years was, of working together. Yes, it was hard, but um, you know, I've learned so many great things working with Gugush. She's not only she's a fantastic artist, but she gave me opportunity that I could work with extraordinary musicians. I could hire the best musicians that we can have and uh, playing and performing and leading the band in the most prestigious and fantastic venues that we have, like Wembley, Air Canada Center, like all those big names that you know. And uh, yeah. I had that pleasure. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask because few people have had the proximity that you've had, uh, especially working as an artist with her. Uh, there, she is obviously an icon. Uh, what is it? Uh, what is the magic sauce in in Gugush? What? What? Because you can you listen to her, and there is something magical about yeah. her. There's there's a reason. It's not it's not a coincidence or a joke that she's been uh, as as remarkably successful as she has. Uh, what is it from your standpoint that you think it has elevated her the way the way her career has gone? Uh, even right now that I want to mention it, I get emotional because I think that Gugush also grew up with lots of pain in her childhood. And uh, he she, she went through lots of crazy situations lots of pain and when she sings uh, she sings with all that passion and deepness and fire and that pain also and that connects connects with everybody yeah I don't I don't uh, know any other singers that can deliver that kind of Emotion, artistry, technique, fluent technique, actually, I can say. Modern way of singing pop music. We have great singers, but I've never seen anything like Gugush. In In the moment of, you know, when you guys would get, have a new song to work on, um, 
what what was the you're you're the you're officially the band leader the arranger and the and and you're playing on the stuff musical uh, director musical basically. director so so what are the mechanics of it you would sit together and you would say okay gugush here's the the line i mean does she is she what is she bringing other than singing not to just diminish the the biggest part of what she brings but but um is that basically it she you get everything ready and she would come and sing or uh, you know um I wasn't just uh, um, just I wasn't only the um, composer working with Gugush. Gugush always works with different composers. Sure. sure. But any time that we w- uh, we used to work uh, with each other, we trust each other so much that we could work very easy. You know, we never argue um, uh, about anything when. I was doing like arrangements or orchestrations. She was very supportive, very supportive, and uh, she always let me do my job. You know, only uh, one thing I have to mention: okay. those those okay. lyrics from Zartosh. Even though I love <laughs> Masud Kimiai, <laughs> it wasn't my choice. Right? Yeah, but um, the the tracks that we did in Green X, like Kerya Konam Yana Konam. Uh, from Zoya Zakarian or th- those songs that I did um, based on fantastic, beautiful lyrics of Master Ardalan Sarfaraz, Baghebi Bargi, and different songs also. Um, so I was more comfortable with with lyrics. So I, basically, I could do better job. I'm not surprised that you guys didn't get into arguments because you. The only you I've ever known, and I, I feel like I know you personally. We know each other. You, you, you're very. Um, you have a real sense of who of self. You know who you are. You're. I've never seen you flustered. No. I'm sure you must be at some point. Everybody gets what, but I've never seen it. You always seem quite calm. Even right now, you're sitting here. You're there's nothing about you that is feels prefabricated or like you know. You're just kind of a, you know. You you have a real sense of self and and a calm sense of self. Yeah. Where, where how did you develop that? Uh, what can you teach us about being that way? I I don't know maybe. Genes from my dad and mom. Were you mom. always like this? I was pretty calm and quiet kid, but I think lots of performing, lots of playing hard stuff on on guitar, helped me to fo- be more focused. Mm, like years and years and hours and hours practicing and um, being focused, and m- I think those elements will help you to be more focused and more calm i, I think like, so. i like the analogy you called yourself it's like an athlete it's yes, like a sport exactly and the interesting thing about that is people don't always, always apply the same rules even when they want to get good at, 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 to artists as they do to athletes because no one would expect to be able to you know win a race without practicing running every day yes. but for some reason some folks think, oh, playing music or you know, yes. or painting or it's it's either a genetic talent or you do it or you don't do it or uh, even with doing something like this, I know folks. Oh, I, I could do interviewing. I could do. I could do a show. It's not. It, it doesn't seem like artists ever get the <laughs> get the sort of expectation that athletes do. That you got to work at this. Exactly. 
I, I'm going to get to your solo work, but in the last few years, you've worked with so many different artists, uh, Faramaz Aslani, Siamaka uh, Shirazi, Hamed Nikpe, Abi. How do you decide who you'll work with? Some of them I decide myself. Some of them just happen. <laughs> For instance, I was extremely lucky to lead Gugush and Ebi's band at the same time. So we had a tour, Nostalgia, and uh, it was amazing experience to leading those two singers in one stage and in one tour, and especially working with uh, my dear Faramarz Aslani, mm. which, and uh, because all those songs, that beautiful songs and lyrics that uh, he makes is like more guitar oriented mm -hmm. kind of melodies. And I, I could find myself more so I can show um, my kind of sound and guitar mm -hmm. sound on those arrangements. So on, on, on um, my, my uh, work that I, I did with uh, Gugush, some of them you hear guitar sounds but but uh on Faramar's Aslan is is like just more like powerful guitar and he's he writes those songs on guitar yes, or some of them yes. so that's it lends itself to you yes. you guys definitely have something yes. uh, a, another magic going on there with Faramar's Aslani that uh goes without uh, saying I, I want to play a taste of a most recent collaboration though um, this was a very interesting one. Uh, the the great iconoclastic artist uh, Shahi Najafi. Oh. I think this just came out a couple of months ago. First of all, let's let's play it. Let's uh, take a listen to a little taste of Akhari uh, Muse. <laughs> Little taste of a brand new song from Shahina Najafi and Babak Amini. I'm sitting here with Babak, of course. I'm guessing that collaboration came as a surprise to some of your fans and his fans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Actually, I have to say, I love that song. It's a beautiful and, song. And uh, the collaboration was, for me, was full of joy. You know, I didn't know Shahin before. And I was thinking might be difficult to, to work with Shaheen. But I have to tell you, Jian, the most comfortable and fun collaboration that I've ever had. Really? It was so good. And uh, we enjoyed it from the day one and um, when we started until we finished. So the headline is Baba Kamini says Shahin Najafi easier to work with than Gugush. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They, they both are good. And, um, but um, Shahin was so excited that I do whatever that I want to do. It's a fantastic piece. I wondered, I heard you guys were working together uh, and I wondered what it was going to sound like. And it sounds very natural. It, it makes a lot of sense. Very, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Very nice. Somehow. Uh, you've been so generous with your time, my friend. It is, it is um, 
uh, it's such a pleasure to get to see you. We could do this for, I, pleasure, I would, I would want to do this for hours, but I don't want to <laughs> uh, take too much of your time. <laughs> but let me finish with some personal questions before we get to this okay. premiere okay. of your new song, too, which I want to ask you about. Um, and, I, and I guess I, reflecting on you, I want to think, you've had an interesting year. Yes. Uh, I want to ask you about the fragility of life and even the fragility of your craft. You, what you do is physical. Yes. You work with your hands. Yes. You had an experience a few months ago yeah. where you were on stage in Germany with yes. Farmaz Aslani. Fell uh, down. You fell down. Yeah. You fell and you severely damaged your, your hand. Yes. I, I think you texted me at the time. I was terrified yeah. what yes. was happening to you. Yes. And you must have felt like this could be the end of everything for yes. you because your hands are everything for yes. you. Yes. Tell me about what you've gained from that experience. You know, the first moment um, that I fell down from the stage, um, I hit my head to the speaker also. So like for a couple of minutes, I was a little bit out. Mm. I couldn't feel, feel anything. And as soon as I opened my eyes, I noticed that something crazy happened to me. And the very sharp pain start to, uh, I, I the feeling that in my left hand, the first thing that came to my mind that, okay, I might not be able to play guitar anymore. Wow. And the uh, first thing. You mean while you're lying there? Yes. You actually think that? Yes. Exactly same time I was thinking about my family, my kids. I said, okay, I need to provide my family. So these two questions were the first thing that came to my mind after um, I came back <laughs> because I was out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Dude, was, you're laughing about it now. This is, yes, I mean, you, it was terrible. You were terrified. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. And I remember after the concert from the Germany, which I couldn't make it, I went to the hospital directly. Um, I supposed to go to London for the big interview. I managed to somehow, I went to, with the help of Faramers and Marjan, they helped me a lot. Uh, I went because um, I couldn't fly back to um, to Toronto. It was like a very long flight. Yes. And I was in pain and I was like with cast and everything. Yes. So I couldn't carry any, even my guitar. Yes. So they helped me to go to London. So I stayed there for a couple of days. That was the worst couple of days that I could experience because you're by yourself, lonely in the in the hotel room, and all those crazy things and thoughts that are coming to your mind. And uh, how am I going to put food oh, on the table yes, if I can't play the guitar? Yes. Yeah. So many things, but. Um, I could manage to handle it. I did lots of physiotherapy and like I went through different things and like different doctors and uh, I practice a lot to bring it back. Even playing one note, it was extremely painful. I started only with uh, one string hmm. because I couldn't move my wrist and I start to play only in the first string. And little by little, each week I added one another string. So after one month and a half, I could be able to get the bar in the guitar. Mm. Couldn't get the bar. And after that, I was so 
ایران فی هم سنگ پر رو پر You're poor because you thought I can. I, I've got this. I can handle this. I can, yeah. get, I can get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you Did you learn anything about yourself through through that? Did Did it surprise you how gabby you are? How How much you can handle a situation like that? You know, it's pretty much. When I heard about this, I think I even texted you this. It, it's pretty much the worst. It's the worst thing that could happen to you. Sorry, yeah. but yeah. it's there's nothing for Baba Kamini yes. to lose his hands. Is that's it, right? I yes. mean. It's uh, you wouldn't want, to, wouldn't want to lose your legs, but you could still perform. Yes. Yeah. That was terrible, man. Terrible. You've said that you, you've learned to live in the moment. Yes. And and there was this other quote from you that where you said, um, "I've been dreaming of my future uh, ever since I was a little kid." Yes. Which which sounds like a very determinative. You know, we have a lot of A-type personalities on this show because the success, successful people tend to start early, <laughs> like you did. But that's the opposite of living in the moment, right? Yes. That's like I'm planning my career since I'm a child. So, how has that shifted, and what does living in the moment mean to you now? I I have both of them right now because um, you know I've lost so many good days just because of plan me planning ahead. You know, when I was younger. And more nerdier, I was planning like 10 years ahead and I was, I didn't want to get distracted from the life, you know. I was living in different world, just doing everything that I wanted to be in the next 10 years. But when you grow up, when you get older, you feel that you lost so many beautiful days, beautiful times that you, you could cherish more, you could... Mm. Enjoy it more, but right now, um, since I have two beautiful kids and my beautiful wife, I decided to not to lose these beautiful days and still planning ahead, you know? When is the time to plan ahead and think about the future? Strongly I do, but when I'm here with you, and enjoying this beautiful conversation, beautiful interview, enjoying the friendship, for instance, me and you, Jian, I'm not gonna think about my next projects in future. So everything is balanced. My thing as- You're saying during this interview, you haven't been, <laughs> you haven't been planning your next steps at World no. Domination. No, I'm just enjoying. I'm grateful that I'm you've just, been here I'm just in enjoying. the <laughs> You you have accomplished so much. I think more than that 10-year-old kid in Iran picking up the guitar could have ever dreamed of. Do you know what your aspiration is for Baba Kamini in the next 10 years, in the next 20 years? You know, I have to work on myself more. I'm sensitive, very sensitive. When you're too sensitive, sometimes you get out of balance. You uh, You want to have that balance more. That's what I'm working on it. Also, um, I, I got to the point that I need to respect my body. So I didn't have respect to my body because I was younger and um, just, just full-time working and mm. working, not taking care of my body. Mm -hmm. So my plan for the future is respect myself a little bit more, respect my soul and body more, and do whatever that I'm doing. A final question. 
Babak, uh, and maybe this segues into your your new song because I know the title of it. So uh, um, there's there's been an interesting pattern that's evolved in this interview. You know, this show is, uh, I mean, it's we want to cover all kinds of topics and issues, and and we want to reach as as many people as we can. But it is the focus of it is conversations from to and about the Iranian diaspora, yes. people who have Iranian descent living outside of Iran. You're one of those people. Throughout this interview, you've called Canada your home. Yes. And you say you love it. This is your home. You've also called Iran your home. Yes. You said a few times when I go yes. back home. Um, tell me about having two homes. Um, it's a story of our life. You know, it just, I'm not just alone in this story by myself. You see lots of Iranian. They're here and working and having their life. And in their mind, in their heart, they are still waiting for the days that they can freely go to Iran. Are you waiting for that? I wish the best for Iran, for the Iranian, because they deserve the best. The situation that we have right now, nobody wants to see Iranian to suffer like this. With that much resources, like we have oil, we have so many things. And we have to suffer like that. It's not fair. No, nobody wants to see that. So I hope someday I can visit my home country and uh, I see good things and good changes. You have this brand new song. Yes. What's it called? A Iran. Exactly. It's so based, based on that um, uh, beautiful me- melody of A Iran. But the way that I play that song is the mix emotions and mix um, feelings that I have with the modern way of thinking that um, I do in that melody and in this uh, arrangement. Hope everybody likes it. It's been a great pleasure and a great honor, my friend. Pleasure is all my Thank you for doing this. Babak Amini, the composer, the artist, the the guitarist, the band leader, the teacher, the scholar, uh, uh, the the musical hero. Uh, This is a brand new song, his world premiere, A Iran, on Rook. Mizun Bashin.
Thank you.